Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Friend of mine, Alex Barth, doing a little bit of a recap of the second disaster performance in a row we're just going to call it like it is with the Patriots losing in blowout fashion to the Saints and a bit of a preview show for the Raiders Patriots are going to face this week we talked about last week how it was kind of a Spider-Man meme with the Patriots and the Saints just like two teams with good defenses and bad offenses and honestly it's kind of similar with the Raiders in terms of just like not being able to score a lot of points or move the ball very effectively and also giving the ball away pretty frequently uh, but without further ado, before we get into that, Alex, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Taylor. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, always fun being on with you. I think this is the first show we've done of the regular season. I know I was on with so. you during camp. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, you were like my go-to guy at camp when I was trying to figure out what the hell was going on with this roster. Had to get you on for the regular season. It's been entirely too long. First and foremost, before we get into mailbag questions and kind of going over what the fans think and want to know about this uh previous game and the future one I got to know what your thoughts are on Tyquan Thornton returning to practice and opening up his 21 day activation window from injured reserve uh I I mean I will see I guess that's my thought I don't know it's mm. it's tough they they could use his speed especially if Tamario Douglas is going to miss time and he wasn't out there today he was left the game Sunday with a head injury so I don't believe it's been made official I mean you can kind of connect the dots, probably concussion protocol. Generally, guys, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to miss at least a week with that. So we'll we'll see what he can do. We know he's fast. Great. Can he use that speed for anything? You know, I think a lot of people have talked about how once they get him back, they'll have somebody to keep defenses honest vertically, and that will open more things up underneath. And in theory, that is true. But teams have to respect Thornton's vertical ability in order for that to work and the Patriots are going to need to be able to prove that they can connect with him down the field in order for that to work and downfield connections means uh you know among other things blocking you need to have time Mm -hmm. to throw the ball down there the Patriots haven't had that uh you know it means a quarterback that can get the ball there which we saw Mac Jones underthrow a bunch of receivers we thought saw Bailey Zappi overthrow a bunch of receivers so we'll see. Uh, I, I I understand, like, yeah, there is a path to where he helps them, but mm-hmm. I don't think Tyquan Thornton's coming in and saving the day and suddenly they're scoring 45 points a game. I think the issues run a little deeper than that. Yeah, we're on the same page. I feel like this is, you know, a bit of excitement that's really been needed with what's going on the past few weeks and with the Patriots' overall record. But at the same time, I feel like wide receiver 
is not at the top of their list of priorities or needs or what could really fix this team. Because like you said, I think it starts with Mike and Wendy and Cole Strange. And the fact that your right tackle situation obviously has been a turnstile, like worse than I even expected with the veterans. But at the same time, it hurts a lot when that right tackle can't just push guys past the pocket because Mac Jones has nowhere to step up. And then on top of that, it's not like we have seen a Tyquan Thornton where we can point to and say like, yes, that's the guy we're getting. That's who's going to help the offense because did he have flashes last season on the crossing routes that, you know, we don't really see as much without Jacoby Myers had some connections with Mac Jones deep, but those weren't consistent And the injury bug keeps biting them and keeping them off the field. And then we saw with Bill O'Brien's offense took him forever to even get reps with the starters. And then once he actually started to string practices together, he gets hurt. So he's exciting on paper, but I really do think that expectations need to be managed and not expect, like you said, for him to be the savior necessarily. But I kind of touch on Jacoby Myers. So why not bring him up? Because last night we saw him have a pretty great game against the Packers. Obviously not the same situation as what he had with the Patriots. Here he was their number one receiver. There he is fulfilling his dream role as a number two, where his lack of dynamic physical ability isn't a factor and he can just be the great contested guy and, you know, chain mover that he is. How do you feel about one Jacoby Myers being an opponent this week, but also in hindsight, how bad does the Patriots move not to retain him? Look, Well, first off, good for Jacoby Myers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, he looked one, he looks better. Like he, he looks better than the player we saw last year. Now that makes sense. He's still a young guy. It's, it's not like that came out of nowhere, but yeah, he's balling out. And I think his, what he's done in Vegas shows a point that, that we, I know I've talked about a lot, Taylor. I, I'm sure you've brought it up as well. Just how that coverage dictating number one wide receiver can change everything because last year here, he was the guy he was, mm-hmm. the, it was Devonte Parker for like two weeks and Jacoby started going off. And then when he came back from that injury, teams just started focusing their coverage on him and he was still able to produce a little bit, but it's it's focused coverage. There's very few receivers in the league that can really break out around that. Now he's in a situation where nobody's going to put too much attention on him because you have Devontae Adams mm-hmm. over there on the other side. And there's been some talks about Adams' production. I know that. But even without his production, you're still seeing Adams impact the game because Jacoby Myers getting a ton of one-on-ones and he's good enough to win one-on-ones at a significant rate. And that is the thing with the Patriots that we've been talking about for a couple of years here. They have a bunch of guys that are good enough to win one-on-one when you get them the one-on-ones, but who is the coverage dictating wide receiver that is forcing the defense's hand to play a certain way? You're seeing Jacoby in that kind of offense. Again, we talked about him as like a really good number two. That's what you're seeing right now, what that guy can do when he's in the proper role. That's not to excuse them for letting him go. I still think that was a mistake. The answer was getting that Devontae Adams type wide receiver to play with him to allow him to maximize himself here. But look, I said at the time, in theory, the move made sense in that you're moving on from a guy who doesn't create as much after the catch to a guy who has shown in the past he can create after the catch. But Mm. Juju Smith-Schuster looks very physically limited at this point. And if it's his knee, it's something they should have caught in the medical process. If not, there were flashes of it at times last year. I think maybe we all underestimated exactly how much uh, Kansas City's scheme was getting him open. Yeah, I, I I still think it's a mistake that they let him walk. I don't think just like swap him for Juju or things better. 
maybe a little bit, but I still think I still think they're one and three. I still think you know they're they're in a tough spot. But yeah, it's it's you're seeing what happens with that kind of guy. And I think you know you could say the same if if Kendrick Bourne went to a similar situation. If um, uh, I mean he's he's really the one big one. But like if, if Kendrick Bourne were to get traded to a team that that like that that has that true number one and just needs a number two. I think you'd see a similar thing where he'd start to break out because that's really what you want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And I, somebody in the comments mentioned the Raiders have scored 17 points. It's not Jacoby Myers' fault. He's arguably been right. their most productive player. It's because they have bad quarterback and bad offensive line play. Sound familiar? Um, yeah, I, I just, I good for Jacoby. I'm glad seeing him produce. And that is, to some extent, what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, it's funny that Devontae Adams mentioned, I don't know if you saw it in the pregame show, consistency is boring. It's why they're always trying to crown a new king. And with Jacoby Myers, I'll speak for myself. I definitely talked myself into, you don't need Jacoby. You know what you got. You know, the offense has been what it is, even with him. But now in hindsight, you see, okay, without him, it actually managed to be even worse, despite having a better offensive coordinator, despite having a guy like Mike Gesicki and then Juju Smith-Schuster, where they have time in the league. And you thought, okay, you have a pretty good idea of what these guys are because they have a ton of NFL tape. But clearly, it's not working out very well. And Jacoby Myers, along with Hunter Henry, were the only two guys where they really seemed to have fantastic chemistry with Mac. Even with a guy like Kendrick Bourne, you see it every once in a while, but it's not as consistent as it is with a Henry. And having him be the only guy that you can really rely on consistently in the pass game has clearly been one of many things that's been holding them back. And then, you know, as you mentioned, they're not scoring a ton of points or anything like that, but Jacoby Myers can only do his job. And I think if they had one more steadying presence in this offense, you know, whatever position it may be, who knows how much more that could help in terms of just keeping them on the field and helping generate or helping to keep drives together. I really can't believe I talked myself into that one, man. That's really what it comes down to is, especially and with the Juju Smith-Schuster situation, where you look back and say, okay, Where did the evaluation change? Because I don't think you become the lead receiver on an NFL team just because of scheme or just because of quarterback. There was a marriage, and I think there, Kansas City, where it's a ton of RPOs, and you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can generate plays, that definitely helped him get more opportunities. But at the same time, he was on the outside catching back shoulder fades from Patrick Mahomes at times. He was getting big plays after the catch where you saw more juice than you usually saw from Jacoby. But then I think we're kind of on the same page. We're in training camp. Based on his role, you're like, okay, maybe he's just going to be a chain mover and his role isn't going to be as you know expansive or explosive as you may have expected. And then when you actually see him on the field competing against other teams, it's, oh, no, like as a possession receiver that you expect him to be, who does all the little things right, who makes the tough catches and all those kinds of things to keep you on the field, he's not really doing those either. And the blocking, which is supposed to be the reason he's getting snaps and base personnel and whatnot over to Mario Douglas, he's not really making a huge impact there either. There's some nice plays, you know, once in a while, but you're also seeing him either lose or not make an impact. So there's definitely a bit of hindsight, I feel like, in this whole situation, but I also think that there were, at least, I'll, again, I'll speak for myself, miscalculations in terms of what exactly Jacoby brought you. And considering the Patriots double-team Devontae Adams way more than they usually do against opposing receivers, I think that Jacoby's going to have some opportunities one-on-one, probably against a Jonathan Jones, and we'll see what happens. But uh, enough of that depressing talk. We're going to move on to some other depressing talk, because I know everybody has a lot of questions about where the Patriots are and how they could potentially get to a different spot. So, Amit, let's throw the first one up, please, and thank you. Uh, Actually, 
Scratch that. Before we do that, just get a breather. Everybody get some water. Just reset, and we're going to throw it to our pals at FanDuel. Amit, take it away. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call one 800 GAM1234. All right. First question, Amit. What do we got on the docket? All right. From Smith Chapotamship. Smith Chapotamus? That's a cool name. Uh, Spotrack projected us to have $97 million in cap space next offseason. Who are you re-signing and who can you see us targeting free agency? What are you reprioritizing the draft next year? And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Will the suffering end? LOL. Alex, what do you think? So this is just the whole big picture, like lay out the next year of the Patriots. Um, Pretty much, yeah. What's your big plan, Mr. GM? Uh, I mean, so I'll start on the re-signing thing. As many players as possible. Because you, you have... I, I don't even think they have that many pending free agents on defense off the top of my head. I know Jabril Peppers is one, um, but the defensive unit they have and everybody's healthy, like is pretty good. And you're mm-hmm. really seeing the impact of the loss of Judon and Gonzalez, but those are arguably their two best players. So it's kind of like, what do you expect? Right. Mm-hmm. The offense is where they need to hit the reset button. So the more of this defense you can keep together, especially at cost, it allows you to use those other assets offensively. And that's on the offensive line, at receiver. I, mm-hmm. I think a first round quarterback needs to be on the table. All of that, you know, as I think about it now, they do have a couple of big free agents on defense. I would bring back Kyle Duggar. The one guy I don't, I don't know that they need to bring back Josh Uche, just because I think ideally like you drafted Keon white, right? He's going to step in there. I, I I'd pay Kyle Duggar. Maybe some of those other guys on the fringe, a guy like Miles Bryan, a guy like Anthony Jennings, you're going to be able to get them back for cheap. So whatever, you can bring those guys back. But um, outside of internal re-signings, because I think their defense is in good shape, maybe they add a defensive tackle. Outside of that, uh, I I think you you have to invest heavily, 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 heavily in offense, in free agency, Mm -hmm. and in the draft next year. Yeah, I would say Hunter Henry is sneaky. I don't know if he's like an extension candidate or what, but I think he's just someone you bring back as a Jacoby Myers type where he brings you stability. You know what he is. He's been in your offense for a while, and I don't think he's going to be super expensive. Uh, Yeah, I think Uche is not somebody who's probably going to come back. I'd like them to bring in one who back, but with the Tony Omafi selection and Sidney Sozman playing a lot of guard, I'm not sure how realistic that is. Unless they can get him back on a cheap deal because he's dealing with injury this year, we have no idea what he's going to look like towards the end of the season. Um, Then thinking of somebody else, Trent Brown, I think they should probably bring him back because I really don't 
think it's great for them to go into the offseason. Ah. Two holes at tackle. I mean, if there's so, is there anybody else you could see filling that spot? Jonah Williams is somebody who I'd be interested in in signing for the right side, maybe. But what are your thoughts? Well, so here's what I'd say. Uh, on Henry, I would bring him back. I don't know that he's mm. going to want to come back. He seems kind of mm. fed up with everything that's happening right now. And I don't know if you've got... That's not an inside report. That's just kind of observing him and him going about his business. I don't, I'm not saying he's quit. I actually think he's one of the guys that hasn't let go of the rope. I think seeing everybody else let go of the rope is kind of wearing on him. As for Trent Brown, Taylor, I'm with you. Tackles, you got to use a premium asset to truly add it to that position. Adding one tackle is a big enough task. Adding two is a lot. It's a lot, yeah. But I, I Trent Brown's one of those guys I think that's maybe let go of the rope. And if you bring him back, is he going to be locked in? Is he going to be ready to go? I also think he's just chasing the biggest paycheck at this point. And mm. if you're going to spend on a tackle, yeah, a guy like Jonah Williams would make more I just think he's a better player. So mm. I'm not like against bringing Trent Brown back, but that to me would be like the I'd, – I'd rather Trent Brown back – then do this whole thing with Vidarian Lowe and Calvin Anderson and, you know, a bunch of bench players again, but right. I, I'd like to see them upgrade there. And yeah, up upgrading two tackle spots. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. It's not. You're probably talking about sign one draft one, but yeah, this is the spot they put themselves in. This is what happens when you don't I'm, draft. It. Wait, uh, they drafted. I don't think they drafted any tackles in the 21 class or was, was William Sherman 2020 or 2021. Feel like he was 2020 because that was just a funky year. <laughs> right, it was him. I remember they drafted another guy with Onwenu. Um, no, so they drafted William Sherman in 21. So in the last three years, they took a tackle in the sixth and a tackle in the seventh. They mm. the guys they signed were a 34 year old and a, a career backup. This is the spot they put themselves in. It's kind of unfortunate that they're in this spot, but you don't dig out of it by continuing to make bad decisions. And, right. and I was thinking of Justin Haran, who was a sixth round pick. So it's not yeah. even like they've been investing a ton of high capital picks in the tackle position in quite some time. Like you said, they put themselves in this hole. And with Trent Brown, I think you might be right, because it was one thing when he was coming back to New England and he was saying, oh, it feels like home here and you're winning and you're having success. It's much easier to be like, all right, I'll not take money because this Raiders situation was terrible. I know that was like a medical thing. He just did not enjoy his time there. But at this point in his career, I think you're right. If you're going to be in New England and you're not winning and it's been pretty crappy for a couple of years, I can see him going elsewhere. Uh, but also one place in free agency I think they need to go is wide receiver. I know Bill doesn't like to pay the position, but I feel like the past two years have made it so glaringly obvious. And I do not trust this team at this point to develop wide receivers. I think that if Kayshawn Booty and Demario Douglas are contributors for you next year, that's awesome. But I think you need to enter the season with someone who you know what he can do. You know he's a dynamic talent. And you know, like you mentioned, he can be one of those guys who dictates coverage. And we've seen Mac Jones try to isolate those backside one-on-one -on -one matchups with Devontae Parker. I don't want to say Devontae Parker's shot because he's like winning on out routes. He's getting open on slants. You know, he's not just a traffic cone out there necessarily. But having a more dynamic threat where when you have the three receivers, it's a zone concept. And you're like, hey, they're pushing coverage this way. Let me attack the one-on-one. -on -one. I think if you get a guy like that, it helps your pass protection. It helps Mac Jones' confidence in some of those big situations. I just think the ripple effect would be huge if they could just get somebody that they know for a fact. You put this guy on the field, he's going to make plays for you. Yeah, I would just say, you know, a couple things on that. I don't disagree with your overall premise. Uh, the list of free agent wide receivers is thin. It's not great. Yeah, that's that's also fair. Look, if, if you want to say 
trade market, you know, you want to start talking about a guy like T Higgins. Sure. I, I would also say, and this is kind of getting into the bigger picture. I don't trust this current staff to develop wide receivers. I'm with you on that. The question is, is this going to be the staff that's doing it? Cause if you, it's a new staff, right. I mean, just, just to pull a name out, out of a hat here. Like we've all talked a lot about Ben Johnson, right? Detroit. And he's going to be the mm-hmm. coach. And seen what Oman Ross St. Brown's been doing. I, I would not mind giving Ben Johnson a crack at, at you know, a, a top 50 wide receiver and seeing what he can get out of him. So if it is still Bill Belichick in the staff, I agree with you. I said this last year. I didn't want them drafting wide receiver in the top 100 last year because we've seen that movie. I've seen that movie enough times. Mm-hmm. If it's another staff, I, and, and I'm going to, I'm, I've been like thinking about this. Like so much of my coverage is based on like following trends that all those go out the window, but we, you know, we'll get to that when we get to it. But I think it's too early to say right now, definitively no wide receiver for this team. And we have been on this question for a while, but I do want to touch on just prioritizing the draft. So you say if, and I, I completely agree, if it's a new staff, yeah, bring somebody in who's on a cheap contract. I think that's smarter than paying a veteran a ton of money if you're just talking about competence and doing that. But where, if you say the Patriots have a top 10 pick, where would you go in the first three rounds? What are your priorities? Um, I mean, I, we'd, we'd have to see what would happen in free agency, right? But probably mm. quarterback, receiver, tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was easy. <laughs> maybe if you know, let's say they traded for a guy like T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can bump wide receiver to day three and you go for a defensive lineman. But um, even at that point, I you know, what's going on at tight end? If Kasicki and Henry are gone, that becomes a major need now. So yeah. I, I I guess I would say quarterback, pass catcher, tackle would probably be. It's gonna be one of those ones where like they gotta come out with two pass catchers. If one's a tight end, I think that probably works and maybe that's where they go i shouldn't even pull up the list of free agent tight ends maybe that's better than the list of free agent wide receivers <laughs> but i feel like i feel like both are pretty thin i checked out tight ends like a couple days ago but yeah, say, they, they all signed one-year deals last year that's right because the, yeah. the draft class was so insane nobody wanted to pay him it's under right. henry dalton schultz mike kasicki it's the uh, austin hoover it's the same group as last year Less than enthusiastic about that one. But I still do think that if they, I'd like to see them once again, find some way to get a veteran in the building at offensive tackle and wide receiver. But quarterback, I think, has to be number one priority, especially with how this season's going. I think that, you know, you're probably going to be in position to get somebody pretty good. And at that point, I think I would probably prioritize tackle after that, just because the later you get in the draft, the less likely you are to get an impact player or somebody who can start quickly, and then probably wide receiver. Uh, and and again, it's one of those things where like, they're going to need two tackles. So mm-hmm. you're not getting to it. You're not going to start two rookies. That would just be yeah. <sighs> asking way too much. Right. So like, let's say they sign a tackle on the first day of free agency mm-hmm. tackle still going to be one of their three biggest needs. Like if you're ranking their three biggest needs for this off season right now, tackle might be in the top three twice. It's definitely in the top four twice. So I, I, I'm with you on that. Like tackle, add a veteran, add a rookie, and those are your two sides. All right, Amit, let's get another question up here. That was a fantastic one. Thank you so much uh, for I, – I don't know if I can <laughs> – I can try to say that name again. Uh, but, yeah, what else we got here? All right, from – I got to stop trying to read these. The ginger – Yeah, I, 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 I'd never read with the names. Yeah, I might stop. I I appreciate it. No disrespect, but it's really, really tough. It kills my momentum. Uh, who out of this draft class, not named Christian Gonzalez, is performed the best so far? 
I want to say Mob Poop, but barely seen him. If I was to answer, I'd have to say Pop Douglas. Hope he's okay for Sunday. I'll take this one first because I threw you to the Wolves on the last question. I think you do kind of have to say Pop Douglas. I would like to say Keon White, but I think we saw last week really showed how raw he is. He kind of helped fill in the Judon role, but he also had some snaps inside like we've seen. Saw him at one technique at one point earlier in the game as that kind of Christian Barmore pass rush guy. And there were just too many times where he wound up on the ground where he didn't seem to have great awareness of where the play was going. You see the physical gifts and the explosiveness, but he's still, you know, a bit of a liability out there at times. Marte Mapu, I like how he looks in space, but they've been trying him at linebacker at times. And I really think he's been exposed against the run. He's kind of just there. doesn't really make any plays. I think he's got the potential to, but right now in his career, I just don't think he's a great asset there. And then by default, actually, no, I would say Bryce Berenger. I honestly think if you're looking at consistency and impact, it's got to be him. I mean, he's up there. He did. If he didn't shank those two punts last week, I'd say him. No, I, I think it's Douglas. Uh, Antonio Monfi's probably mm-hmm. up there. He had, a, he had a rough game last week, but before that, he'd been good. Yeah. Bill O'Brien called Malik Cunningham the most improved practice squad player. I know Twitter got mm-hmm. super about that, but I'd say it's Mario Douglas. When you look at how little he's played, and look, I know they haven't put him on the field enough, but mm-hmm. he's like. 29% usage rate. It feels like a lot more than that. He's making the most of all his opportunities. I go Douglas. Maybe I overthought it. I, th- I think if you're really talking about like who's given juice, especially in this offense, as large as it is, that's definitely true. But Behringer has been out there consistently every week. And I feel like just consistency wise, like you got to get Bryce Behringer has definitely been out there consistently. I think that is the, uh, <laughs> that is certainly something you can say about this team. I was going to say for better or worse, but it's it's probably for worse. He'd like to see your punter be pretty relaxed and not have a huge impact in the game. Uh, what else we got? Great question. Thank you very much. You busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. Choose from 34 plus weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepared perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Too busy running around during the day to think about lunch? Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 500 calories per serving. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or, for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice. We offset 100% of our delivery emissions, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices, and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. 
Head to factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 and use code patsdaily50 to get 50% off. That's code patsdaily50 at factormeals.com slash patsdaily50 to get 50% off. All right, how linked are the offensive issues, blocking, and pass catchers to some of Max's regression and decision-making and footwork? What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I mean, that that's it. That's the whole game. I I know there's a lot of criticism about the, the comments from Max Camp about, you know, it doesn't matter how good of a cook you are. You can't make it taste good with garbage. Uh, should Like, that shouldn't have been put out there. That's a horrible look for Mac that it got put out yeah. there. But the idea behind it, is a hundred percent correct. Mm. I w- let me ask you this, Taylor. In the league, are there more in terms of teams that are successful? Are there more teams where the skill position players are better than the quarterback, or where the quarterback is better than the skill position players? Yeah, it's like skill position. It's right, skill like, position. Look, two is two has been very good. Two, and I'm a yep. Tua guy. I like Tua. You're telling me he's going to do that without Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle there? And, and those running backs, yeah. I like Jalen Hurts. If you if you notice the theme here, uh, but AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, I think they're helping. I've said time and time again, the best player on the Buffalo Bills is not Josh Allen; it's Stephon Diggs. And go look at when Josh Allen clicks, and everybody talks about, "Wow, Josh Allen just figured it out." I wonder what else happened the year. Josh yeah, who Allen had a hundred twenty yard game? <laughs> who showed up? Right? Who showed up the year Josh Allen figured it out? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so that's an example of great offensive players making quarterbacks look better. The inverse is true as well. There are quarterback. I go back to, to, to Trevor Lawrence's first year. Trevor Lawrence is immensely talented. We all know it. And we've since seen it, but he was in such a bad position, the roster, the coaching, all of it. Remember people were talking about like, should the, the Jaguars take another quarterback? That was crazy. That first overall pick the that next year. Like, that was a real conversation. <laughs> now, they they should have never hired Urban Meyer. That was a horrible hire to begin with. You saw that coming. But they got rid of him. They brought in a real coach. They had Calvin Ridley. They had Evan Ingram. Like, they added some pieces. So, look, this isn't a total. I know, and, and here come the Barth is a Mac apologist comments. And sure, fine. Uh, this isn't a fully, uh, you know, knocked away from him. A, a, you know, true franchise quarterback overcomes some of it the issues around him do not don't mean it needs to look this bad. I mean, this is bad, but for a young quarterback that's trying to develop, it's, it, it it's a team effort to develop the quarterback. It takes everybody. It's not just on the quarterback. And he's for the last two years, at least has kind of been left out on an Island to develop himself. And you're seeing him develop some, some sort of bad habits. Yeah. And like with the whole skill position thing, I think the only kind of outlier is the chiefs. But then you got the best quarterback in the game, Patrick Mahomes. Great offensive line, obviously, arguably one of right. the best, not arguably one of the best in the league. I think you could argue they're the best in the league. And then That's you got Travis Kelsey. So you saw what happened when Travis Kelsey wasn't playing for them. They still right. almost won a game against a good team, but Mahomes struggled significantly. And Travis yeah. Kelsey is just a one-man wrecking crew because he's one of the greatest receiving threats we've ever seen. And then Mac Jones, I agree. The way he's responded to the pretty crappy situation around him has significantly hurt. But I also think that it's fair to say, hey, this kid has been getting walloped since he entered the league. Like there's that picture where he's getting hit against the Saints and it's just like, it was a pretty monstrous hit. His rookie year, it wasn't terrible. Last year, he was getting hit all the time, 
big hits consistently. And now this season, we're seeing that his pressure rate is through the roof, but he hasn't been hit very many times. And it's because you're seeing his mechanics have deteriorated because he's throwing off his back foot. He's not following through on throws. And he's been able to overcome it the vast majority of the season. But when he doesn't, it's very ugly. And you also see that there's bits and pieces at times where his timing is good and it looks like he's seeing the field well. But when things start getting shaky and when it feels like the offensive line is bad and he's playing bad on top of it, it feels like he's making it even worse because then the clock is off and he doesn't see open receivers. And he's like we saw last week where he's throwing to Hunter Henry, who's well covered on a pass that's uncatchable. Meanwhile, you got Demario Douglas on an outbreaking route just past the sticks, who's wide open. So I definitely would agree that I think that the situation around Mac hasn't done much of anything to help him out. But at the same time, and I, I also feel bad saying this because he's been put in such a really tough position where there's really no point in his in his career since maybe he was voted to the Pro Bowl where you can point to and say he should have gotten confidence or gained confidence at this point. Like, do you disagree? At one point in his career, could you be like, yeah, he should have, you know, gotten some uh, some mojo and something that he could use throughout the rest of his time in the league? Yeah, there really there really isn't much. Um, and and for a guy that you know played for one of the winningest high school programs in the state of Florida, which obviously is significant. And then went to Alabama and won a national championship. I, I think there is something to be said for knowing how to lose. And he's never been a guy that's had to, you know, take a team that's struggling and, and rally him. And that's yeah. not something I, I know, you know, I'm not saying he can't do it, but it's not something he has experience with. So at this point he should have learned by now, like clearly it's, it, he hasn't done it cause they're still losing, but it's just, it, it's all, you know, Bill Belichick likes to talk about complimentary football, right? Where where mm -hmm. the different position groups or the different units are helping each other. Uh, this is whatever the the inverse of that is, where uh, Mac, you know, the offensive line struggles are making Mac play worse, and then Mac playing worse in turn hurts the offensive line even further, and then the wide receivers hurt both, and it just mm -hmm. it's 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 the chicken or the egg. It's if you give a mouse a cookie, like it just all is linked together into one big mess. Yeah. And there's so many answers you could pick from because like we were talking about this, if you have a great dominant X receiver, like I was talking about with the one-on-one -on -one matchups, that route tree is like slants, stops, fades. There are routes where you don't really have to hold on to the ball too quickly. So if you have a great X, the offensive line doesn't look quite as bad. Or if you have a James White where, all right, you're dropping back, you flick it to him on a check down. He's turning what, you know, what this year has been a four yard gain into a first down, maybe even a big play. Like you can point to a lot of areas where, yeah, if this position was better, it could improve. But as you said, I think it starts with the offensive line. But at the same time, max regression over the past two years hasn't helped either. Also, S27, thank you so much for the super chat. Very much appreciated. I agree. You do keep Mac. I don't really think that's even on a question right now because he's on a rookie deal. You're not going to get a lot, if any, capital if you try to trade him. Right. And I do think he's a good bridge quarterback. If you draft somebody, I don't think they're going to go out and get a veteran because what you're going to trade for Kirk Cousins this season. I don't think that's the answer. If they draft someone, I think, okay, if you draft a quarterback, you still need to surround them with a good supporting cast. You still need the dominant wide receiver one who can actually change games. You need good protection on Island to tackle, especially considering through two years, we've seen that the Patriots aren't going to protect their tackles. Like Cam Jordan was one-on-one -on -one against Fedarian Lowe that entire game. So I think you keep Mac, get your rookie, have a true battling camp, which Mac hasn't had since his rookie year against Cam. And then just because I think you still had to take quarterback with the first pick, I would say take a tackle in the second, but I think we're on the same page in terms of thinking there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on, on all that. And I, I, mean, I think too, like, if you're going to trade Mac, you kind of touched on it. He has no value right now. 
Yeah. You get to the off season, maybe somebody needs a bridge quarterback, thinks they can fix it. Maybe somebody has their backup quarterback at hurt in camp, and suddenly they're willing to overpay a little bit. Uh, I outside of very very rare scenarios, I am I hate the idea of trading. Like, oh, just get them off the roster, just trade them. That's never good enough reason to trade a player. No. Um, it's all it's always a panic move. It almost always ends up going poorly when those kind of trades do happen. The, the return needs to be a factor. You never just trade a player just to trade them. That's what sloppy teams do. And again, like maybe give this offense help and see what Matt can do. Because once again, even going back to his rookie the, year where he had the most success, yeah. we keep talking about how their receiving core every year technically got better only because the bar was set so low. But the problem is this past offseason was the offseason to do it because mm -hmm. even if Mac turns it around a little bit here, the timeline doesn't allow it because the whole the, the most valuable thing in the NFL is a quarterback on a rookie contract yes. because you take the highest paid position and you, you slash it. And now you have all this money to spend elsewhere on the roster. And that's why you see so many of these quarterbacks in, in year three, four, five of their rookie deal. That's when their teams are elite. That's when they go to the Super Bowl and they fall off a little bit after that. Even if Mac turns around a little bit, he has one more year on his rookie deal. And then what are you going to pay him? Because now you maybe don't have the flexibility to add all these pieces you want to add. Mm. Are you going to let him walk? If you do, then you need to take the quarterback this year. Because yeah, one, it's a great year this year, and you don't want to pass on it just because maybe Mac figures it out. Then you end up, mm -hmm. that's basically what the New York Giants are right now. Yes, yes. And it's it's always dangerous going too far down the road in this, but the 2025 quarterback class does not look good at all. Mm. So even if Mac's a little bit better, the time they, they, they blew the timeline. They blew the timeline. They had, I, I, I was pounding the table. This all offseason. This was the year you would get the pieces in place. And this was the make it or break it year for Mac Jones talent or no. And they elected to let him go into it without an offensive line, lacking offensive weapons. And that's it. That's it. The clock's run out. The clock's run out on the Mac Jones experiment for the Patriots. Any, any commitment to him beyond this, any legit, like you can keep him for the fourth year and see what happens, but any long-term commitment to him beyond this is a mistake. Yeah, and the Patriots are no strangers to being late when it comes to having a plan at quarterback or at tackle or at wide receiver. So at this point, I think you just, like like you said, I think you have to get a quarterback regardless of what happens. We know the Patriots like to look at the draft a couple years in advance in terms of the timeline and what they're going to need. Now, we can obviously argue with the results, but with that in mind, like you said, if 2025's class isn't very good, you can't gamble on Mac figuring it out once he's finally got a good supporting cast because you have no idea where he's going to be mentally and how far he's regressed and what you can even get out of him at that point. Uh, so yeah, cut your losses, try to improve the roster as soon as possible and get your quarterback position figured out and get him competition, which I think he needs anyway. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so at this point of the Mailbag Show, we're going to start taking some of your live questions. Thank you all so much for tuning in, as always. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you're picking one to five, which quarterback are you taking at each pick? Now, I have not brushed up on the quarterback class, but you, my friend, are an expert when it comes to pre-draft stuff. So please, I'm giving you the floor on this one. So 
it is still very, very, very early. And uh, there's still a lot of information, you know, for us to add, especially this weekend with Washington taking Oregon. I think that game's going to tell us a lot about um, this draft class. That being said, I, I guess my board right now, subject to change once again, is Caleb Williams is still 1-1. I have Drake, May, and Michael Penix kind of together in that second tier. Although Penix is now the Heisman favorite as of this week. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's that second tier. Quinn Ewers is alone in the third tier. And then Bo, uh, um, Bo Nix is the fourth tier first-round quarterback for me. Shadur Sanders, I would take in the first, but I I believe Dion when he says Shadur is going back another year. Yeah. Honestly, if you look at it, it doesn't make a ton of sense for Shadur to declare for the draft this year. Again, it's a weaker class next year. He'll have a chance to go one-one. He's making plenty of money with NIL. He's still playing for his dad. I think Dion wants to finish the business he started there. Um, so again, Shadur's there in the first round. Great. Uh, I guess I'd round out my top five at that point. So like Williams, May, Ewers. Penix. Oh, that is five. Uh, Williams, May, Ewers, Penix, Knicks. Yeah, that's my top five. I'm just sitting here learning. I think next week, maybe we'll have you back on to talk about what happens after this weekend, because that feels like it'll be a much better barometer. So I the big the big things about this game, um, on, on Michael Penix's side, it's, it's simply this is the best defense he's going to face. Mm -hmm. And, it, it, you know, we'll see what, who he faces in the playoffs. Maybe they get Georgia, but this is the best defense he's going to face in the regular season. Oregon's got a ton of NFL players on that defense. Going to be interesting to see what that it looks like for him. The bigger one to me is for Bo Nix. This game's going to go a long way in me deciding whether or not I'm ready to like stamp Bo Nix as a first round pick. Bo Nix started at Auburn. He was actually the son of, uh, of a former Auburn quarterback who won a national championship there, who was like a legend. Um, so he was supposed to be like the saving grace, an Auburn program that hadn't been good since Cam Newton. And he just didn't have it. It didn't work. It, it was a mess. Nothing about it looked salvageable. Transferred to Oregon two years ago. Playing in a better offense now. Looked pretty good last year. It's like, all right, this is interesting. Now it's the Pac-12. It's not the SEC. But now this year, I mean, night and day, the quarterback he was at Auburn. Mm -hmm. So many of the issues he had, the turnovers, the bad reads, um, the lack of pocket presence. You're not seeing that. You're seeing it all look much better than it did. Now, the biggest knock, though, on Bo Nix at Auburn was he couldn't win on the road. Road like, Nicks. Period. Like he just, <laughs> road Nicks, right. That was the, the thing. He, he'd throw like three picks on the road. Everybody, all oh, road Nicks showed up. He still hasn't beat a ranked opponent on the road at Oregon. Mm. And this is going to be his first chance this year. I don't necessarily know that I need to see him win the game because like if there's a non-zero chance Oregon wins this game like 60 to 50, in which case like, I'm sure Bo Nicks played well. Mm. But if Road Nick shows up again, he's not a first round pick because he still hasn't proven he can win on the road. If he goes in there in a Seattle and goes toe to toe with Michael Penix, yeah, he's probably a first round pick. There you have it, folks. And we will check back in with Alex next week. Truly, I don't know nearly enough. And you guys know I don't like to blow smoke. So I'm just going to move on to the next question. But thank you, Alex, for picking me up there. Well, you watched you watched a little Michael Penix, right? Didn't you say you had him on for a little it was bit? Penix. I was I was watching. It was Bama. It was like their second game of the year or something like that. Like Texas. Yes, Bama, Texas. I was oh, so you that saw one. Quinn Ewers? Yes, yes. I was. 
Yeah, he uh, he didn't do so great against Oakland. Yeah, we got to go back. To the uh, Mike Evans is a possibility. Doesn't didn't he like try to figure out some deal to stay in Tampa? Like I feel like he doesn't want to leave unless they just refuse to pay him. Yeah, look, it's interesting. It seemed like he wanted out, and that team was on track to rebuild. It made all the sense in the world. And now, hang on, Baker looks good. He has some chemistry with him, yeah. so maybe that changes. He's thirty-one. He does have a history of injuries. I. I'd like to see them do a little better than that mm. just in terms of the upside, especially if you're going to have a rookie quarterback as their receiver, he can grow with instead of a guy that's probably on the way out as this quarterback's on the way in. But I'm not going to be picky. If they add Michael, uh, Mike Evans, I'd be very happy. As long as it's at the right price. Like I, I, I would like them to get some talent. Eh, right. I, I guess if you have a lot of money and it's, you know, you get some good deals where you can kind of eat it. If it's a player of Mike Evans caliber, maybe overpay just a little bit, but like nothing crazy. Like some, I mean, I think overpaying. I think overpaying for receivers is kind of a uh, what's the term like? An, not an oxymoron, but a is it ad hominem or or, or something like oh, that? Oh man, like, you're going deep into the <laughs> um, vocabulary there. A, 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 a fallacy. I don't like. You can't really over the receiver contracts just explode, right? Yeah. Do you really are any of these guys really overpaid? As long as they produce. How many of these receivers that get the big contracts, they keep producing, and within two or three years, it's like a team-friendly deal, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody thought the Dolphins gave up too much for Tyree Kill. That deal looks great now. So it just comes down to will the player produce or not. If they have to you know, pay a little over what the market is expected to be for Mike Evans, if he continues to produce, I don't think anybody's going to really care. Yeah, absolutely. My only concern would be, like you said, the injuries. As long as he's available, I trust Mike Evans. He's one of the most underrated receivers of this generation. Real quick, what do you think of Brock Bowers? Yeah, so I, I put Brock Bowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. kind of in, in the same category. Those guys are going to be top 10 picks. Mm. If the Patriots are picking that high, they need to be taking a quarterback. Mm. It would be great if they had the luxury of like already having a quarterback and adding this guy, but those picks are for either, well, I guess Carolina doesn't have their first, but those picks are for or a team like Chicago, right? Mm. They have, they're they going to have two picks in the top five, so they can take their quarterback and then take Brock Bowers or Marvin Harrison, or if there's another team that maybe ends up with a first round pick inside the top 10 that already has their quarterback. Um, those are luxury picks at this point for the Patriots. You need a quarterback first and foremost. And I, I'd love if they could take Brock Bowers. I'd love if they could take Marvin Harrison Jr. Both are great. I just don't think it's realistic given their other needs. Brock Bowers, you are Carolina Panther. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, that don't, like that would be an outstanding pick. Uh, no, not Panther, Bear. Oh, 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 Panthers don't have their first. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Damn, right. they screwed that. <laughs> I mean, they did what they had to do, but yikes. Uh, man, Cole Komet, going to be overthrown. If you watch the QB school, he's got a very interesting relationship with Cole Komet. And not, I love I J.J. Big, he's not a fan. <laughs> I was a big Cole Komet guy in that draft. I wanted the Pats mm -hmm. to take Komet so bad. I thought he was going to be like Gronky Light. Like, not as explosive, but, you know, he's a barreling guy. He can run block, and, you know, he's he's – He's been something in Chicago. Um, all right, Amit, let's get one more. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Chris Bayless. Has the film indicated a Mac is the problem? I feel like we kind of touched on this, but Alex, what are your other thoughts there? There is no the problem. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to point fingers, and I know people think it's a line when players and coaches say, you know, we all have to be better. And sometimes it is a line. It's not right now. It's all bad. Mm. Mac is bad. The offensive line is bad. They're seriously like if you swapped Mac out for another quarterback, 
these other issues are still probably going to be too much to overcome. Mm. If you put a, a great offensive line in front of Mac, maybe his clock resets, but maybe it doesn't. And he, I, I, at this point, it's beyond the protection. He's just sensing pressure that isn't there. The receivers aren't getting open. It's there is no the problem with the Patriots' offense. You can, if you want to say it's Mac, if you want to say it's the line, if you want to say it's 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 the skill position players. Like you're correct. I, there is no one bigger than the other. It's it's the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> I think when looking at where, I don't want to say blame, but where responsibility falls, I think rather than looking at it like a list of one, two, three, it's chronological. Because I think there's a timeline of when things kept getting bad. Now, for me, that's why I put, like, if you were to itemize it, I would put Mike and Wendy and Cole Strange not being healthy at the top of the list of reasons why they're struggling. And that's because going all the way back to the summer, right tackle was an issue, but also we were talking about it every day that pass rush is getting home very quickly. And just because it's training camp, Max still has time to make throws and do what he's got to do because they're not actually going to hit him. But there was constant pressure. And it wasn't just from the sides. It was also from the interior because Mike and Wendy wasn't there at all. And Cole Strange wasn't there after the first week because he suffered his knee injury. Now, I think Max timeline goes even deeper because he had all the regression he had last season behind that offensive line and all the injuries they had again. And obviously, white tackle not being a good situation in 2022 on top of everything else. And then you started to see some pretty good stuff in the beginning of the season. I don't think that what we're seeing right now over the past two weeks was nearly as much of an issue through the first three weeks of the season. I thought like he had the bad decision to Devontae Parker. And then there were a couple bad throws he had in the rain against the Eagles. But for the most part, I was saying that Mac Jones is the reason you're competitive in these games. So the fact that the interior just deteriorated and they haven't had Cole Strange and Mike and Winu healthy inside at the same time, Antonio Moffey's had to play at some point in every single game. That's impacted his confidence. And then the receiving core, which hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but I think is getting open more than people give them credit for, you know, whether or not it's as quickly as they need to, that's absolutely up for discussion. And I think there's also a lack of detail in the routes that's hurting as well. But I think he at least has more time to, okay, I don't have this first window, I can hit this second window. Like we're seeing a lot of those opportunities and you can't hit those. So as much as the receivers aren't doing their job, I feel like you got to talk about Mac already starting to kind of deteriorate last season. It getting worse because he didn't have two of his best offensive linemen. And then it's even worse because you didn't get those big name receivers who could just make a difference on their own. And you have a bunch of guys who aren't really a huge threat and there's not enough time to throw to them or a run game to help open up the pass game. Yeah. I mean, just to, to kind of backtrack and you sort of touched on it there. You want the problem. It's the roster. It's the roster that mm -hmm. was assembled. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Plain and simple. I think that's a very fair place to wrap it up. Uh, Alex, I know you got a lot of good stuff coming this week. Please let the people know. I'm sure they're very familiar with you already, but just in case, we got to make sure everyone's informed. Where can they find your work? Yeah, 985thesportsub.com. You can catch the uh, you know, Patriots beat on the on the Patriots Press Pass YouTube channel and catch 22 with Evan Lazar every Thursday. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Thank you all for joining us as well, giving us your questions. Really appreciate you tuning in as always. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we will see you next time. Have a great night, everybody.